Guys, I'm so proud of you guys, man. I know everything didn't go perfect in that game. We talked about whatever it takes. So many different ways to win a game today. D, I know we didn't have our best game, but we did what it took to win, and that's what matters. Hey, guys, I want to give a 1,000 out, but I can't. I'm going to give one in particular. All right, he started here for us a number of years ago, came back to his hometown, and he, like everyone in here, has had his back against the wall. He stood right up to it and went off today, but Jimmy. Hey, Cal stayed all week. It's whatever it takes. And that was whatever it takes game, man. Dog fight out there. That's what we can do, though. That's who we are, all right? Hey, keep this momentum. Ride this in the next week. Enjoy it right now, but we're on to the next week as soon as we get back, all right? We're not three! One, two, three! Woo! Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and if that does not get you pumped up after a San Francisco 49ers victory, I do not know what will. The 49ers victorious over the Chicago Bears on Sunday on Halloween. What a trick or treat. This time it was actually a treat for us Niner fans. The Niners won on Sunday against the Bears, started off slow. Niners picked it up in the second half. Again, definitely a game of two halves. Going to cover the entirety of the game. Going to react to that game. And also, going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan. Everything involved in the win and the future of this franchise. The future of this team. At least this season going forward into the Cardinals game. Not going to talk specifically about that Cardinals game. But definitely going to talk about what that game means for this team. But before we get into... The nitty-gritty of the win against the Bears, we have to discuss the massive, massive news that happened this week in the NFL. So many injuries. We even had a trade today. It is trade deadline eve in the NFL. We had one deal done, a big one, an NFC West rival getting better. So let's start with that big news. Derrick Henry, Tennessee Titans running back, is out for the season, or at least six to eight weeks with a broken foot. Derrick Henry in Tennessee has been the entirety of their offense. Out of the 230 rushing attempts they've had in Tennessee, Derrick Henry has 219 of them by himself. He has 353 more rushing yards than any other player in the league. He also has a league-high 10 touchdowns. But let's not forget... The Niners play the Titans in Week 16. The Niners will not likely, unless Henry miraculously recovers, but it looks like he will not be ready for Week 16 against the San Francisco 49ers. Now again, when any player gets hurt, you hope for a speedy recovery. You hope that the procedure goes well. They're going to be okay. And again, a broken foot in 2021 should be a very easy recovery, should be a very easy surgery to have, but you just never know. So again, hoping Derek Henry recovers quickly and, and it's very speedy and he heals correctly because he, he is a top 10 talent in this league. But as a, as a Niner fan, as a Niners, if you don't have to play the best running back in football in Week 16 where you could be trying to fight your way into a playoff spot still, again, hate the injury. But I do think San Francisco gets a break not having to play Derrick Henry, but they are going to have to face off against Adrian Peterson. Now again, no win is a guarantee. But if you're looking at a team like the Titans who have Ryan Tannehill, the offense is somewhat inconsistent without Derrick Henry in the lineup. I know they have Julio. They have weapons around him, A.J. Brown. But again, Julio, older player, is he going to hold up? Again, still great. A.J. Brown, a phenomenal receiver, but who is Ryan Tannehill? He had flashes, beat the Chiefs a couple years ago, 2019. But again, I don't know who Tennessee is. They beat the Colts, but Carson Wentz kind of gave that game away late. So not having to face Derrick Henry Week 16, a big break for San Francisco. Then moving on to a trade that kind of sparked some outrage amongst Niner fans was the Los Angeles Rams acquiring Von Miller for a 2022 second and third round pick. So again, Von Miller, future Hall of Famer, uh, edge rusher, going to go to the Rams for a second and third round pick in next year's draft. And the question became, how do the Rams continue to do this? 
How do they continue to get Jalen Ramsey, Deshaun Jackson, who wants out at L.A. actually, but Matthew Stafford? How do they continue to acquire these big-name people and pay guys like Aaron Donald still? And pay guys like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods? How do they continue to do this? But the Niners couldn't re-sign DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead. This seems to be, again, one of the bigger complaints amongst fans. But I want to tell you, here's how, at least in this deal the Broncos and Rams were able to come to an agreement and how the Rams got this trade to work to acquire future Hall of Famer Von Miller. Out of the $9.7 million remaining on Von Miller's contract, the Broncos are going to pick up $9 million of that deal. So think about in baseball, uh, my mind goes to when the Giants traded Mark Melanson to the Braves a few years back. The Braves picked up the entirety of his contract. Now, you can argue, was it a win for this team or a win for that team? We'll never know until those draft picks come in for the Broncos and how Miller plays in L.A., but when a team is picking up $9 million of his contract and the Rams are only forced to being paid him $700,000, that's how the Rams got this deal done. They're only paying a very minor fraction of Von Miller's deal. And, let me re- and <laughs> I'm trying to find the right words here because... People are so outraged about it, but let me remind you, it's a one-year deal. This trade is a go-for-broke deal for the Rams. They view themselves as Super Bowl contenders, as they should. They have a good quarterback. They have a really good offense. Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, uh, that whole tangent is phenomenal. They have a good enough defense to get them deep into the playoffs, possibly a Super Bowl championship, but... This is a go-for-broke deal. Now, they can re-sign him, obviously, in the offseason if he performs up to the standard they expect him to, but Von Miller, who, again, Hall of Fame talent, it's not like he's going to be in L.A. for a long time. They are not tying themselves to Von Miller like San Francisco would have been tying themselves to Buckner, Armstead, Kittle, uh, and Fred Warner in these back-to-back-to-back years. Again, the Rams are pretty much not paying Von Miller. Like, think about, like, Daniel Brunskill. They're paying Von Miller Daniel Brunskill money. And now, obviously, the numbers aren't exact, but, like, that's contract comparisons. Now, that sounds really bad when you think about, you know, Brunskill-Miller, but my point my point here is, like, we're paying Brunskill nothing. And because of what Denver did in picking up the contract and getting a second and third round pick, the Rams are paying nothing as well. But that brings us to... The Rams draft picks. Does the draft really matter? We saw the Chiefs do this a few years back uh, when they went to a Super Bowl and beat us, obviously, and then in 2020 did the same thing. Uh, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, uh, trading D Ford away. Again, they did not seem to care about draft picks or the salary cap at all. The Saints are one of these teams where they seem to not care about the salary cap. Some, somehow every single year they restructure and they get $45 million in cap space and they can sign this guy here or there. But the question now is, or maybe, I don't want to say a complaint, but observation has been the Rams have no draft picks. They don't care about the draft. They're going for it every single year. They kind of have this L.A. Dodgers style mentality or the Yankees mentality back in the 1990s, early 2000s when they were on their World Series runs. The Rams have one draft pick in 2022 in the first three rounds. None in the first round. That was in the Jared Goff trade or Matthew Stafford trade. The second round pick and one of their third-round picks are going to Denver for Von Miller. They do have one third-round pick, but it's a comp pick, so it's later in the third round. They have no fourth-round draft pick. They have one fifth-rounder, no sixth-rounder, and two seventh-rounders, one being their own pick and then the Dolphins pick. So they have four total draft picks in 2022. Now, again, you can make moves, you can trade players, but the Niners are not in the same situation as the Rams. We can all agree there. The Niners are 3-4. and four. They are not in a position to, one, trade four players. They might be in a position to trade away players, like a Dre Greenlaw. And I'm not saying those are rumors out there. I'm just saying that that's a player who they might find expendable with uh, Al Shair coming into his own this season. Or maybe they try to trade someone. Again, I'm just throwing names out there. Or trying to acquire someone like a Brandon Cooks. But... The Niners are not going to acquire a big name like Von Miller unless the team is like Denver and they're willing to take the majority of that contract. Like the, And don't forget, the Niners traded. I, I know it's very hard to forget here. 
The Niners traded three first-round draft picks for Trey Lance. The Niners have a second-round pick and a third-round pick. You're not going to move those draft picks. You need those draft picks knowing you traded up for Trey Lance. You need to build around him why trade for their pick, especially for a player or at least players in this certain trade deadline year or season where all these players are older, likely aging, are going to want to be paid a lot of money. You know, Xavier Howard's name's out there, but he's going to want to be paid top-tier cornerback money, and rightfully so, but the Niners do not have that cap until they move Jimmy Garoppolo, which, again, doesn't seem like the case, knowing they won against Chicago. So, Derrick Henry out for the season. Not going to have to play him Week 16. Von Miller on the Rams is going to be a problem in two weeks. Going to have to play the Rams two more times this year. Uh, so, we're going to have to face him twice, along with Aaron Donald and that Rams offense, which is just insane. But to me, the biggest announcement that happened this week, it was right before the Niners kicked off against the Bears. I was running the board at 95-7 the game. Uh, Lucas Alexander and Jason Dumas were hosting our kickoff show, our pregame for the Niners. And I'm waving my hands behind the glass like, guys, guys, like we have breaking news. This is big implications as to this Niner game coming up because this can change their season or at least uh, allow them to jump back into the playoff picture. And that was Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray being announced by Jake Glazer on Fox Sports in their Fox Sports pregame that he has an ankle sprain, a pretty severe ankle sprain, and could miss one, two, three weeks, or it is a one, two, three week injury. He injured it against the Packers on Thursday night in their first loss of the year. Uh, so again, one to three week injury per Jay Glazer. But then he said uh, later, Cliff Kingsbury said it's a day to day injury. So kind of mixed signals there as to how long Kyler Murray could be out. But again, big implications. If it's going from Kyler Murray to Colt McCoy, I would rather play Colt McCoy. And I don't care about the speculation or the, well, you didn't play the Cardinals at full strength. I don't care. In my eyes, it's not about playing a certain team at full strength because you want to win just enough. I mean, I, first, you, every year you want to win a Super Bowl. But in this case, knowing this team, I want to win just enough. Just enough to, if you have to sneak in as the seventh seed and play the number two seed, I do not care. But if we're just good enough to sneak in, it raises Garoppolo's trade value. It makes that first-round pick we traded to the Dolphins slash Eagles for Trey Lance. It makes that the 18th overall pick doesn't hurt as much. We can move Garoppolo for a second or third in the offseason, and it's a win-win scenario. But again, beating the Bears like we did on Sunday, which we'll get into that next, actually. Uh, But... Now we have the ability to play the Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins still nursing a hamstring injury. J.J. Watt's done for the season. Likely going to be even more healthy this Sunday against the Cardinals and now may not have to play who has been one of the top three, top five MVP candidates thus far this year in Kyla Murray. Things are looking up for San Francisco. Again, I hate injuries. I don't want guys like Henry and Murray to be hurt, but if it benefits our team, and those guys can still get healthy the week after they play us, uh, it's good news for San Francisco, but we have to capitalize on, unfortunately, another team's misfortune. And that brings us to our own misfortune, which I guess the beginning of this is actually really good, but later on there is some misfortune there because the Cardinals are a really good team, and we did lose, I think, one player that's going to hurt us big time. But the Niners opened the practice windows for George Kittle, the people's tight end. Everyone loved George Kittle. Getting him back against the Cardinals is going to be big. Didn't have him against him the first time when Trey Lance started. But if it's Jimmy, it's Debo, it's a healthy George Kittle in the run game and the passing game with Ayuk, which seems to be back now and ready to roll again in his sophomore year. Big news for the offense. Jeff Wilson Jr. can also come back this week. Not likely, but his practice window is open to return from injured reserve. And Robbie Gold's back. Hopefully, we don't have to deal with Joe Sly. Joey Sly missing PATs anymore, but Robbie Gold could return this week off of IR. And even Dre Greenlaw, who on Sunday, especially with Al Shair out, was missed big time. Trying to contain someone like of Justin Fields and 
maybe possibly having to contain someone like Kyler Murray, not having a better containment linebacker like Greenlaw on the field uh, definitely hurt us on Sunday against the Bears and could hurt on Sunday against the Cardinals, but he will likely not play this Sunday against the Cardinals. But again, practice windows being opened, Niners getting healthier. Now we move to the questionable injury report. Uh, D Ford concussion, Al Shair concussion. Uh, they will likely return this week, but again, still questionable. Concussions can linger, and with head injuries, you always want to play it safe. Do not want to have lingering effects going on from game to game, especially with CTE being a big deal, and we know the effects it has later on in someone's life. Very dangerous, uh, but again, want to be safe, but concussions really are not that serious as long as guys are treated correctly, so I do expect those guys to be healthy and playing on Sunday, at least in a limited role, but again, these guys on the field being Ford and Al Shair, better than them not being on the field on Sunday against the Cardinals. But the biggest injury news other than George Kittle possibly playing against the Cardinals is Jimmy freaking Ward. Uh, Jimmy Ward hurt his quad against the Bears on Sunday. And Shanahan uh, kind of put the Niners fan base in kind of a scare knowing that, or at least what he said when he said, I'm pretty concerned about the injury. Uh, Jimmy Ward's one of the best safeties in football. He's one of the best man coverage safeties in the NFL. Again, I know the complaints. I know the withdrawals people have about him. He doesn't get turnovers. He doesn't get interceptions. I get that. I I really get that. And and I'm someone who has said, Tarverius Moore is that ball-hawking safety we need. Or a style like that at safety who can get us the ball back. He's someone that can improve the defense, at least with his ball-hawking skills. But Jimmy Ward... Again, in, in man coverage, in pass coverage, is one of the best corners, or excuse me, one of the best safeties in football, and he's likely going to miss this week. He's unlikely to play against the Cardinals. He has a quad injury. It's a one to two weeks, uh, so he could miss the Cardinals game and could also miss that Rams game. Not what you want to hear. Divisional opponents need these wins, especially with no Kyler Murray out there. Definitely need Ward out there against Arizona, but... If Kyler Murray is out there, that's what spells trouble. The Cardinals have the fifth best passing offense, or excuse me, they have the fifth most passing yards in the NFL. The Niners allow the second lowest amount of passing yards in football. So they're kind of the exact opposite, but take Ward out of the equation. Tavon Wilson and rookie Talanoa Hufunga are going to have to man kind of the kind of the, the outfield, I guess you could say, of the defense. The Cardinals also have the 8th most passing attempts. Niners have allowed the 3rd lowest comp percentage. Cardinals the 6th most passing touchdowns. Niners have allowed the ninth least passing touchdowns in the NFL. Cardinals rank 2nd in total TD, so they have the 2nd highest scoring offense in football. And the Cardinals also rank 2nd in total offensive touchdowns. So, Cardinals high-powered passing offense. If Kyler Murray's out there, again, we don't know what they look like with Colt McCoy, but He's a serviceable quarterback, obviously a backup for a reason, but not having Jimmy Ward out there definitely hurts, and especially if you add the fact that if D. Ford can't play, Alshair can't play, Jimmy Ward can't play, uh, Greenlaw likely still going to be out. A lot of question marks going into that game. And then Elijah Mitchell has a rib injury. He's going to be limited this week. So a lot of news coming out of that Chicago Bears game. A lot of injury news, a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of around the NFL, big news, Derrick Henry out for the season, Niners not going to have to play them, Kyler Murray could be out against the Niners this Sunday, then again, Von Miller is now in Los Angeles, so a lot of news coming out after Sunday's game against the Bears, so let's dive in to that game. I don't know about you, but I think after the win... I think the fan base kind of took that big collective deep breath of, ooh, like, finally. Finally, we can actually have a week of no chaos, no quarterback controversy, uh, just a, a week to breathe, a week to kind of reset ourselves and say, look, it's not as bad as we thought it was. It could it could be a lot worse. We could be the Giants um, in New York. We, we could be the, the Jets. Shout out to Mike White. Uh, we could be again one of these bottom tier teams, and we're not. We are not. We are not, we are not a bad team. We may not be a great team, but we're not, not a bad team. And so I think 
the Niners' 33-22 win was a collective sigh of relief amongst the fan base. Uh, the Niners do improve to 3-4 and four on the year. They are one game under 500, inching their way, clawing their way back into the playoff picture. They are half a game out of the wild card currently. So again, playoffs are very much in reach. And again, if the Cardinals do not have Kyler Murray, this is the best chance to get ourselves back into the playoff picture. We have an easy schedule or easier schedule in the second half coming up through weeks 8 through 18, 17 games, obviously. Uh, so the Niners are in a great stretch here. Even if they lose to the Rams, beat the Cardinals, get a division win for the first time this year, go to 1-3 and three in the division. Maybe you can kind of claw yourself back into the, the conversation, the playoffs, and wild card. Again, I don't care if it's 7-seed or 6-seed or wherever they're at. Just get into the playoffs. Get yourself back into that conversation. Get Jimmy's trade value up again. You want to live in the moment, but you also want to have that long view of, yes, win now, but also winning now helps you later. But also it's great for even Trey Lance. Getting experience, at least witnessing the playoffs, how everything goes, it's great to see for a young quarterback, great to see for a team uh, that has Debo, and even Ayuk, who hasn't even been to the playoffs yet. Again, so they're in a great spot to win now. Capitalize on this current stretch you have, and what seems to be good fortune heading your way. But this game against the Bears, it was very much a game of two halves. The The Niners played this game very, I don't want to say cautiously early, because they took some shots early, obviously, uh, but they really couldn't find their rhythm. They really It felt very eerie and very uh, similar to the Colts game or the Packers game, and not as bad because those teams are far better than the Bears are, but this game just felt like they're going through the motions of, here we go again, uh, luckily no punts in this game, but it felt like, okay, we're getting field goals, we can't score touchdowns, um, a mobile quarterback is beating us again, here we go again, you know, roll the tape, we've seen it over and over again, uh, and just couldn't seem to put anything together. Nothing was kind of cohesive. There was no consistency. Uh, receivers dropped balls. There were a few penalties here or there. Debo had two drops in the first drive. Muhammad knew had a big third down drop later in the second uh, second quarter. Just nothing kind of seemed to go right for San Francisco early. They, they missed a field goal early. It just didn't seem like they, again, just going through the motions. They couldn't find themselves in the midst of, at the time, being 2-4. and four. And it's like, who are we? We've lost four games in a row. We're coming in and we're kind of laying a dud early in Chicago. Uh, but I looked at Lucas Alexander again, who was hosting the kickoff show for 95-7 the game, and I looked at him and I said, Jimmy Garoppolo is actually playing very well in this first half, first quarter. He's He's playing like Jimmy of 2019. And he's hitting his targets. His guys aren't helping him out. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? So this is the four-year anniversary of when they acquired him. His job seemingly is on the line if they lose this game. It's coming full circle. But the way this game is setting up, the way this game is currently happening in the first half, is that he's going to have to be the reason they win this game. Jimmy Garoppolo, all the talk of, is he, is he going to play? Is he going to be benched? Is Trey Lance going to take over? And admittedly, I'm part of that at certain times. I definitely was last week. Had they lost this game, put in Trey Lance, I'm done. But I said it to, to Lucas, if this game continues the way it's going to continue in the first half, this game is setting up for Jimmy Garoppolo to have to win this game by himself. He's hitting guys in stride. They're just not helping him out. And the defense was playing pretty awful in the first half. There was no pressure. This was one of the worst offensive lines in football. Justin Fields had been sacked for a total of 179 yards coming into this game. The first half, they looked like a good football team. They they looked like a good team. And that's not who they are, or at least not who they have been through the first half of the season. No Kinlaw. Uh, again, I don't think he really made that much of an impact, but not having Greenlaw and Alshair playing linebacker, not being able to contain a quarterback like 
Justin Fields. There was no contain. There was no pressure. Uh, the middle of the field was wide open the entire time. Again, I don't... This, this defense just didn't have uh, the aggression needed. They, they weren't scheming well against Fields. I'm not sure if it was kind of a scheme versus scheme thing. Matt Nagy wasn't there. Maybe they were seeing things they hadn't seen before from the Bears. But the Bears offense was ranked 30th in football coming into the game on Sunday. And for the first time in eight years, the Bears scored on every single possession in the first half. Every single possession. And prior to their last possession, it was crazy because we're sitting there and it's the clock's ticking down. You're like, are we really going to go into halftime, you know, being down 20 to nothing, 13 to nothing? Like, what is going on? But then Bosa gets a huge sack and then you kind of see the aggression. Backs the Bears up close to the 50-yard line. Sets up second and 21. Next play, Arden Key hands to the face. It negates Bosa's sack. And you're like, oh, here we go again. Here come these big penalties that are hurting us. But then they held the Bears to a field goal. Thanks to K1 Williams. Back off of the IR this week. Made a huge play on Khalil Herbert in the backfield. Which led to the Niners getting the ball back just prior to halftime. Which kept them in arm's reach of the Bears. And that's when Jimmy Garoppolo said, I'm putting this game on my back. All the talk is, I'm going to be benched. I'm the one that's the problem. I'm the one that can't lead this team. It's my job on the line against the Bears. I'm going to put this team on my back. I will lead you to victory. Debo, go deep. I got you. Garoppolo makes this amazing 50-yard throw down the field. Hits Debo deep again. Did not result in a touchdown but it was a momentum-building play. It was Jimmy Garoppolo saying, I got this. Amongst all the chaos, all of the storm I talked about earlier in the year, Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback that has been able to calm the storm many times during Niner games. We're down by 14, down by 10. I'm going to come in, I'm going to calm the huddle, I'm going to calm the storm and lead you to victory. Again, he has his own issues, own limitations which is what leads to people wanting Lance to take over, which are valid reasons at times. Again, had they lost this game, Trey Lance, it is your time to shine. It is your team now. But Jimmy Garoppolo said, no, not today. He pulled him a tumbo, had the finger wag out and said, no, 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 not today. <laughs> I, I, I apologize for that. But hits Debo late, gets a field goal in and builds that momentum going into halftime. And you're sitting there like, well, okay. Well, all right now. Maybe we got something here. And it's, it's again, you're kind of getting that feeling of, well, if we can just hang around, just chip away, chip away. A bad team like Chicago will make mistakes. They will break eventually. Then the second half begins. And the Bears get the ball first, but the defense looks different. There's contain. They get four sacks. They're forcing field goals instead of touchdowns. They're getting threes and outs. Again, whatever the change was, I didn't, I, I, I could not zone in on what exactly the change was. Maybe they were starting to beat a bad offensive line of Chicago. Maybe they were covering better. There were no defensive PIs that were helping the Bears continue drives. The Niners played a clean game outside of Arden Key's penalty on defense. They looked like, again, they gave up points against a bad offense. That is, the Bears' offense had only given up 20 points, or excuse me, scored 20 points one other time all year. That was against the Raiders when they had 20 points. <laughs> exactly. Like The Niners' defense did not play great in that first half, hurt them. But other than some big plays in the second half by Chicago off insane plays by Justin Fields, Again, that, that touchdown run that he made, oh oh my goodness. That had the entire NFL going, he's going to be special. Like, that that's that's not a play you see often. I, I, I hope if you watch the game that you said, oh, <laughs> that, that, was my, that was my thought was like, did, did, I, did I just see that? Like, did, did he make five guys miss 
and make our entire defense look dumb. Again, a broken play, but that's... And even the, the, the color commentator, Greg Olson, said this is the reason why fans are so hyped. This is the reason why they traded up for Justin Fields for plays like that. When the play breaks down, what he can do, the ability he has physically to make dynamic plays like that. It was insane. But outside of plays like that, a one-off play here and there, the Niners' defense played phenomenal in that second half. Again, they are not a great defensive unit. The defense is not great. They borderline or they're okay. They're like an average defense. But they played great in that game. They had four sacks. Bosa had two sacks. Ed Bukam got his first sack of the season. Marcel Harris got his first sack of the season. The containment was better, which then allowed the offense to kind of get in groove. And I think it was David Lombardi of the Athletic that said this and said, look, the Niners' defense is not great. And if they're going to want to win games, unlike 2019, the offense is going to have to lead the way. And that it opened my eyes. I go, that's like their identity this year is not defense. And the defense has had its moments. I, I think it's been good enough at times. They played really well at uh, other times. They played really bad at certain times. And again, it's they're inconsistent, just like the offense. Inconsistent, but the defense has saved the offense's butt more times than not or at least more times in the offense to save the defense's butt. But the offense on Sunday, in that second half, they fed off that defense, but that defense also fed off the offense because the offense in the second half was a total different story. It was field goals galore in the first half. It was a couple misses here, a couple hits here. Again, field goal, chip shots, you know, nine points, nothing. It was not a fun game to watch in the first half. It was a, are we going to lose to the Bears? Second half comes, this is a total different game. Niners had three straight touchdown drives. Debo had that huge screenplay on like third and 20. And again, I'm assuming you're like myself. And when they called the screenplay, and as soon as Garoppolo caught turning through the ball, which again, he got out in .01 seconds. Talk about a quick trigger. That's insane. But the Debo screenplay, I said, are we really doing a screenplay on third and 20? Like, what do we... We're not playing for fourth down. <laughs> like, we're on our own side of the field. What are we doing? Uh, and then Debo, like Garoppolo in the first half, said, uh, I'm putting this play on my back. <laughs> and uh, like that big 50-yard bomb in the first half was a momentum builder, this play was a momentum changer. It was the play of the game where the offense said, I think we got our groove back. Stella got her groove back. Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Shanahan got their groove back in Chicago in that second half. It started on the final drive of the first half, and momentum kept going. The the momentum built, then this changed the entire game with that big Debo screenplay. And again, wasn't a touchdown, very close, but then Garoppolo, a rushing touchdown, getting the end zone. Then Elijah Mitchell gets in on the action and gets himself a touchdown. And then Jimmy G plays uh, a little off schedule when Debo messes up the, the receiver run, running back run, and he gets himself his second rushing touchdown of the game. Then Elijah Mitchell ices the game. Three minutes left, they get the pick from Norman. Elijah Mitchell ices the game for San Francisco, and then everything is celebration time. Halloween, you're throwing out candy out your windows. You're saying, you get a candy, you get a candy, you get a Starburst. <laughs> and if you're Kyle Shanahan, you get a Sweetest Fish. You get a Sweetest Fish. You all get Sweetest Fish. It was a great win on Sunday. Everything San Francisco had been struggling with, well, they didn't uh, change to perfection on Sunday against the Bears. There was improvement in the right direction. No defensive penalties. They came in on Sunday... In their last three games, 16% on third down. Against the Bears, 40%. Again, small improvements. That's what you're looking for here. They got the win. They played better. They played a cleaner football game. That's what you want to see. And there are plenty of things to talk about inside the game. The Niners, big plays. When do we ever see this team hit home run plays? Rarely ever. Again, the aforementioned 50-yard deep shot to Debo just before halftime. Set of a field goal, made it 13-9 to going into the locker room at halftime. Big play, 50 yards to Debo Samuel. 84-yard catch and run by Debo in the third quarter. Set up that Jimmy Garoppolo touchdown to 
what should have tied the game had there not been a missed PAT. But again, big plays, 50 yards, 84 yards. Then Elijah Mitchell had a 30-yard, had a 30-yard, oh God, 39-yard run uh, late in the game, almost a 40-yard run by Mitchell. Just big plays galore for the Niners. San Francisco gained 20-plus yards on eight plays against the Bears. That's their most in a game since having nine in their 48-46 victory over the Saints in 2019. The Kittle face mask. Uh, I'm going to carry the entire defense in the Superdome uh, in New Orleans win with Robbie Gould's uh, field goal to win the game. So it was it was their best offensive performance since the Saints game. Their most complete uh, this this scored you know thirty three points again. This was their best offensive game since twenty nineteen on the road against Drew Brees against the Saints, who were the second best team in the NFC at the time. This was their best game. The Niners came in to play a bad team and they beat a bad team, but it was a get right game for them and they did everything they could, everything in their willpower to get right. And they did that. They succeeded in their goal. They cleaned up the penalties. They're better on third down. Jimmy Garoppolo looked far better than he has in a really long time. Probably since week one, but I can even argue again since 2019, he felt like Jimmy G all over again. Kyle Shanahan found his offensive rhythm. Debo Samuel continues to be, uh, maybe in my opinion, the top eight top five receiver in football this year. He's really has been that good. When's the last time Niner fans have been able to say we have a top five receiver in football? Like you're looking at Terrell Owens, early 2000s. It feels good to have a weapon like Debo Samuel, knowing George Kittle's coming back. And it looks like Brandon Ayuk has found himself. Brandon Ayuk, four receptions, 45 yards, a season high for Ayuk. He had more snaps in the game than Debo Samuel did. I I think this is the game Brandon Ayuk is back. If we're talking about get right games, talking about the Niners needing to get right, whatever was going on with Brandon Ayuk, this was the game that he used, that he capitalized on to get right himself, had a big two-point conversion. He was getting separation, making nice plays, making nice catches, a big punt return for Ayuk in this game in the second half. Brandon Ayuk looked like the offensive weapon the Niners had been waiting to see all season long. Again, I don't care what the reason was, whether it was Ayuk or Shanahan being afraid he had Dante Pettis 2.0 and wanted to kind of stamp that out immediately. Whatever it was, I think Brandon Ayuk is back. Again, continue the momentum. The Niners cannot get complacent again. Just like Jimmy Garoppolo said to open the podcast, and it's kind of the, the, the pre-show speech he gave, the post-game speech after the win in Chicago he gave, build upon this. This isn't a, a one-win-and-we're-done kind of thing. That still stands for Brandon Ayuk. This isn't a one-good-game-and-you're-done kind of game. Go win to Arizona. You're hosting the Cardinals at home, playing Arizona at Levi Stadium. Let's get that first win. In over a year, with Debo playing the best ball of his entire career, Kittle back off the IR healthy again, and Brandon Ayuk finally back implemented in the offense. Like, this wasn't just a get-right game for the team, or Garoppolo, or Shanahan. It was a get-right game for Brandon Ayuk. And if you're telling me, every single player, every single coach, every single offensive weapon that needs to be healthy, that needed to get right got right and got themselves back in order, did against the Bears, and that's going to carry over to against the Cardinals? you got to be feeling really good if you're a Niner fan. Again, we're not back yet. This ain't 2019. You know, this year is our year. No, 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 no. This is a week-by-week basis. You have to grind every single week, a different opponent every single week. You know, it's cliche to say, well, we're taking it day by day. The Niners are taking it week by week, they have the ability to get right back into the playoff hunt, knock off the Cardinals, and make them have a two-game losing streak. The Niners can get back to 500. Brandon Ayuk is, seems to be back. Samuel's playing his best football. Jimmy Garoppolo. I talked about last week to open the show how 
it was the last stand for Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan if they lost. That Sunday's game against the Bears, they were all in. It was for all the marbles. It was the culmination of a relationship that seemed to be severed or it seemed to be cracked enough to need a change. And we know that change will still come, which is why Trey Lance is QB number two in the in the shadows waiting to kind of claim his throne as the franchise quarterback. But on Sunday, Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan held off the inevitable. They said, we're not done yet. We're still here, to quote Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo's former uh, QB1 in New England. (laughs) We're still here. Jimmy Garoppolo said, I'm still here. Don't forget about me. I'm quarterback one. And I think Kyle Shanahan, again, I put on Twitter that Kyle Shanahan has always had more respect for Jimmy Garoppolo than the fan base has. That the entire offseason, again, they did try to upgrade over him. Again, Trey Lance is still on this team. Traded three first-round draft picks, but while the entire process carried out, they were informing Garoppolo, this is what we're doing. We respect you so much to not blindside you. You've done so much for us as a head coach, GM duo. We don't want to disrespect you as a player and a person. And that has carried over into the season. The entire offseason, I tried to tell people, look, Kyle Shanahan's going to stick with Garoppolo. Lance is not ready. Now, again, I will admit, last week I literally said, if they lose... I'm done with Jimmy simply because the season looks to be over at that point. You're two and five. Outside looking in, it's Lance's turn. You have to make a change. And Garoppolo said, The winds of change are not coming yet. I'm the quarterback of this team. This offense plays for me. This is my offense. Debo and Ayuk, I will get you involved. Kittle's coming back. I will lead this team. I will become Jimmy GQ. I will become porn star Jimmy again and lead this offense. I will get my groove back. Just like we saw against New England last season. Coming out of the ankle injury against the Rams in prime time. I know different stories, but very similar. The vibe is very similar. A few losses in a row. Jimmy kind of finds himself again. You rattle off a few wins. It feels great. It feels great, baby. That's kind of where we're at right now in San Francisco, but I do want to kind of read some interesting stats off to you to show you how incredible the game on Sunday was. Let's bask in the awesomeness, the amazingness that was the Niners' victory against the Bears. Kyle Shanahan was 0-12 in his last 12 games when trailing at half. Well, put a streak in the win column, he's now 1-12. He's now 1-0 in his last one game, trailing at halftime. Great job, Kyle Shanahan. Got us back on track. The Niners on Sunday became the ninth team in the Super Bowl era with zero punts, zero turnovers. Again, a big thing. I predicted Garoppolo to have 238 yards, two TDs, no turnovers. And what did Jimmy Garoppolo do? 317 yards, was it? 322 yards, excuse me, 322 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, no turnovers, a QBR of 85.6, again, a great game for Jimmy Garoppolo, and shout out to the offensive line, the offensive line again, the Niners became the ninth team in, in the Super Bowl era to have zero punts, zero turnovers, and zero sacks in a game on Sunday versus the Bears. The offensive line also allowed only three total pressures on 30 Jimmy Garoppolo dropbacks. They only allowed one apiece by Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, and Mike McGlinchey. And guess who the highest-graded pass-blocking offensive lineman was on Sunday? It wasn't Trent Williams. It was not Lakin Tomlinson. It was not Alec Max. It was Daniel frickin' Brunskill. The... I think in most people's opinion, the worst offensive lineman we have played his best game on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo went under center for the 49ers. They are 14 
of 17, an 83% conversion rate in the red zone, a comp percentage of 14 uh, of 17, an 83 comp percentage in the red zone. That is the best red zone conversion rate in the league. He had the fourth best PFF rating for a quarterback in week eight with an 80.2 grade. And he was one of four players on Sunday and the only quarterback to rush for two touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo, an incredible game. Again, got to build on it, but again, good building blocks, a good get right game. And Debo Samuel, where would this offense be without Debo Samuel? He saved them against the Lions. Had a big catch versus the Eagles. Big game after big game for Debo thus far this year. Debo Samuel has three 150-yard receiving games this season, most by a Niner since Terrell Owens, T.O., in 2002, who had three himself. They've played, <laughs> they've played seven games this year. And Debo Samuel already has three compared to T.O. who played 16 games in 2002. This season alone, Debo Samuel has accounted for 46% of a team's, of the Niners, receiving yards. The highest rate by any player through seven games since Roddy White in 2008 for the Atlanta Falcons who had 47.1. There's still more. We're still going through Debo Samuel here. The 49ers' single-season receiving record was held, or excuse me, is held by Jerry Rice with 1,848 yards in 1995. Debo Samuel is averaging 117 yards per game, which projects to 1,989 yards over a 17-game season. Debo Samuel on pace to break another Jerry Rice record if he can keep this pace up. Debo Samuel, 118, 119, excuse me, receiving yards on the season, which is the most for a 49er receiver since Marquise Goodwin, the current Chicago Bear, who had 962 in 2017. Goodwin, of course, played 16 games that year. Debo has only played seven. Debo Samuel, if my my college-level math is correct, needs 181 yards to eclipse 1,000 yards on the season. His current pace, he will pass that in two games. Two games, just two games. That shows you how insane Debo Samuel has been playing this year. He can hit 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards in just two games. Nine games into the season. Debo Samuel also surpassed Jerry Rice for the most receiving yards through the first seven games of the season with 819. Debo Samuel, have yourself a freaking half of a season. Elijah Mitchell cannot forget Elijah Mitchell. A sixth round pick. He's been their best draft pick thus far this season. Season, who played on Sunday? Not Trey Lance, not Aaron Banks, not Trey Sermon, not Ambry Thomas, not Lenore, who, again, having a baby, congrats to him. Also, congrats to Mish Wisnowski, another baby going on him. Phenomenal stuff, guys. Again, loving our team. Has success on and off the field. Great stuff for them. Congratulations on becoming fathers. It's a big step in your life, but again, it is phenomenal, and I hope they can just love that baby with all their might and be wonderful fathers to their new children. But Elijah Mitchell on Sunday, the most rushing yards in Week 8. Elijah Mitchell had 137 yards. 135 of those yards were after contact. Like Again, let me tell you that again. Mitchell, 137 yards on Sunday. Ranks first in football for Week 8 production. The second player on there, Elijah Mitchell again because 135 of his 137 yards were after contact. Elijah Mitchell, you are insane. Like, oh my God. (laughs) That is insane. Elijah Mitchell is also up to 433 yards on the ground this season. 
and is second in total rushing yards amongst all rookie running backs. He trails the pride of Antioch High School in Alabama, Najee Harris, by 46 yards. And he's played two fewer games than Najee Harris, a first-round pick of the Steelers. Elijah Mitchell, right now you are the best rookie running back in your class, and you were taken five rounds later. Have yourself a freaking day. And if Jeff Wilson Jr. comes back soon, maybe against the Cardinals, maybe against the Rams, or maybe Trey Sermon gets some playing time, we'll see about that. When running outside the tackles, Elijah Mitchell, 162 yards on 33 carries, averaging almost 5 yards a carry when outside the tackles. Inside the tackles, this is where Jeff Wilson Jr. will help. This is where Trey Sermon will help. Mitchell, less productive. 96 yards, 29 carries, averaging a little under third, 3.5 yards per carry. But again, if Mitchell can just be the outside the tackle running back, the Niners have themselves themselves something special in Elijah Mitchell. They can pair him with Jeff Wilson Jr., Inside the tackle, power back. Trey Sherman can find his footing in the offense. They can have a three-headed monster in every notion, despite how much I love Raheem Mostert, you can forget him. Elijah Mitchell has made everybody forget how productive Raheem Mostert is, was, when he's on the field. Elijah Mitchell, you are running back one, and you were a six-round pick. You're out playing not only your own team's third-round pick at the same position, you're outperforming running backs in the first round. If I could clap in the mic, not clip, I would. Elijah Mitchell, again, you are insane. Nick Bosa, all the conversation was, is Nick Bosa going to be the same player he was in 2019? Is he going to be the same player after the ACL injury? Let me tell you, he's the same player. He's the exact same player he was, minus six pressures. Nick Bosa's rookie season, seven games. Seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, 35 pressures. Through seven games this season, off of the ACL injury, seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, 29 pressures. Then you can attribute not having DeForest Buckner, not having Kinlaw, not having DeFord healthy all year. Having Eric Armstead having to play inside a lot of the time due to injury. Nick Bosa is the same player with worse circumstances. He is, in my opinion, if not the best, he's a top five defensive player and arguably the best edge rusher in football. He is playing better with worse circumstances, playing equal to his 2019 rookie season production with a number two ranked defense compared to this year's. 16th ranked defense. Nick Bosa, elite level talent. Sign him up! 20 year deal. I don't care. Pay him whatever you want. He needs to stay in San Francisco forever. He's been that freaking good. But now the question becomes Sterling, you talked for about an hour about how, how amazing this week was. All these numbers and statue threw at us. They beat the Bears. The Bears stink. They stink. You're right, they, the Bears do stink. It was a game the Niners should have won. Should have won handily. Handedly. Whatever the word is. It was a game I said they would have won 28-16. to Now, again, the defense played poorly in the first half. The offense couldn't really get momentum building in the first half. But the way the offense played in the second half was exactly what I thought I would see. It was an offense that got back to being themselves, got back to playing 49er football. All the distractions that could have gotten in the way didn't. Jimmy Garoppolo, hometown, 100 guys in the stands, uh, teammates, ex-classmates, ex-roommates, ex-coaches, yelling Jimmy Garoppolo's name in Chicago, the homecoming, the whole thing coming full circle of four years ago to the date where he made his first start to be his last start in a Niner uniform. Like, again, picturesque, right? Storybook telling to a T. It's coming full circle. 
everything rhymes like George Lucas used to say when he was making Star Wars. It all rhymes. It's poetry in motion. Jimmy Garoppolo said, to heck with the poetry. This is my story. This is my team. And it's not going to end on Sunday. But it doesn't stop there. Like I said, it does not stop there. Against the Cardinals, a team you lost to, Garoppolo couldn't play against. Against the team who you beat once last year, Garoppolo didn't play against them when they won. This is the perfect time to, again, re-energize the fan base, re-energize the team. You win two games in a row, you get back to 4-4, and playing against the Rams, who, again, I hope no injuries happen, but you just never know what a team is going through. It doesn't matter they acquired Von Miller. Again, good player. Going to cause problems against our offense. But you give me Kittle, Ayuk, Debo, and a Jimmy Garoppolo in rhythm with Kyle Shanahan working in lockstep with his quarterback, I will put that up against any defense in football. That team had, that unit had the number two ranked offense, number five ranked offense in football two years ago. And I can argue they have more weapons. Kittle healthy is huge. Utilize him in the passing game. If Ayuk is who we believe Brandon Ayuk is and can be, that is pretty much like acquiring a new receiver at the trade deadline. He can give you six, seven catches a game and average a touchdown a game, give you 80 yards a game. That's Brandon Ayuk. And if even if Devo's production trickles off somewhat because Ayuk and Killer are getting the ball more, that means this team is being more productive. You're getting Jeff Wilson Jr. back soon. You're getting healthier in almost every single area of the offense and defense. And I get losing Tart hurts. Having to rely on uh, Tavon Wilson and, and Talanoa Hufanga, who had a great game on Sunday in his debut as a starter. Great for him. Wonderful player. Can't wait to see what he can do later on in his career. And even as the year continues, but not having Jimmy Ward hurts. Not having a legit number one cornerback hurts. Mayo Mosley played awful on Sunday. Awful. He was getting beat every single play. I don't know if Lenore can come back and start, but Mosley's job is not secure in my opinion. Now again, maybe one bad game. Maybe a matchup that just kind of ate him alive. But this offense is going to have to carry the load, and they're getting healthier. Trent Williams is back. The offense had, the offensive line at least, had their best game. Jimmy Garoppolo had his best game of the season. He's feeling himself again. It was the exact same thing I said last year when he came back to New England for the first time. He felt himself. He felt like the the confidence oozed out of him. And I can tell, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, and I said on Sunday to my friends, I, you can tell who Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be that day, the first two drives. The first drive was kind of a little shaky, but that second drive, you can say, okay, Jimmy's, Jimmy's on point. He's hitting guys in stride. He's feeling himself. The confidence is there. He knows he can run rough shot through this Bears defense, and he did. He did. I want to tell you a stat that it just blows my mind. For the second time this season, again, all the hate Jimmy gets, I get it. All the conversations of the air yards, he doesn't throw it deep, I get it. I get it. Valid arguments to make. For the second time this season, Jimmy Garoppolo, who had 322 passing yards, Debo Samuel had 171 receiving yards, Elijah Mitchell, who had 137 rushing yards, surpassed 300, 100, and 100 yard marks for the second time this season, the first time being week one against the Detroit Lions, the last time that event occurred prior to week one against the Lions was October 7th, 2012, against the Buffalo Bills with Alex Smith, Michael Crabtree, and Frank Gore. Now, the first time I read that stat was after week one. of like, wow, that was insane. They've done it two times. This offense went in rhythm. 
has the ability to go up against any defense and win. That should give Niner fans confidence. That should re-energize you for Sunday's game against the Cardinals, which is currently, again, in every single game, probably the remainder of the season is going to be the biggest game of the year. If they can beat the Cardinals, they are back in the playoff hunt. They are back where they should be. Back who we thought they would be to start the season. I said, and I, and I admitted after I said it, that I was wrong. That this team is not who I thought they were going to be. I said they were going to win the division. High hopes, maybe it was a homer take. Maybe that's true. But I believed, like many of you, that this team was good enough to do so. I thought the Cardinals were going to be 8-9. and nine. I thought, how long can they hold up? Now Russell Wilson's out. Kyler Murray could be out. And if you can beat the Cardinals, and you can beat the Seahawks without Russell Wilson, and it's just the Rams in your way, you play the Vikings, you play the Falcons, you play the Titans, you play the Texans, you play every team in the NFC and bad teams in the AFC that are going to be standing in your way in regards to going to the playoffs. They have pivotal games down the stretch, but are winnable games against bad teams who are currently ahead of them in the playoff standings. As a fan base, as a team, as the faithful, I'm not saying this team is back by any means. What I'm saying is they are taking a step in the right direction. They're getting healthy, the offense looks to be in rhythm, and they seem to have their groove back. Chicago's game wasn't perfect. It was a must-win, back-against-the-wall performance. And you know what they did? They did what we saw in 2019, what many of us a year and a half ago would have said they always do. They fight back, and they get the job done. This needs to continue against the Cardinals on Sunday. Tough game. Murray or not, going to be a tough divisional game. The Cardinals always have played the Niners tough. Always. Even when it was Derek Anderson and Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner and whoever it may be playing quarterback in Arizona. The Niners come into the game with momentum. With a quarterback and a head coach who seem to be in rhythm again. In an offense that seemed to have found itself again. This Niners team again with confidence, with a quarterback and head coach working in lockstep, I will put up against any defense in football. In a game that's going to be, again, every game will be the remainder of the season, but in a game that's going to be the most important game of the season to get this team further back on track, to get fans and the media to say, the Niners might be back. To quote John Wick, if they win on Sunday, I will say, I was thinking I'm back, but I'm thinking I'm back. That's what this game on Sunday against the Cardinals means. And the game on Sunday against the Bears, the victory against the Bears on Sunday meant you got to take a step in the right direction. Now that gas needs to be on the pedal because Sunday against the Cardinals is the biggest game of the season. And it's a winnable game. Again, this team needs to win. Their backs are still up against the wall. Jimmy G's job is safe for a week. According to the media and the masses out there. But it's a step in the right direction. And this is the perfect time to get back to playing San Francisco 49ers football. This team plays for Jimmy. Kyle Shanahan knows he's a genius offensive coordinator that is also a head coach. If they got their groove back, watch out for the 49ers. But this Sunday's game against the Cardinals goes a long way into proving that, but a great first step against the Chicago Bears. If you want to know everything about this team, injury updates, 
what the media is saying about Garoppolo, what the fan base is saying about Kyle Shanahan. Is the seat getting hot? Was the Bears game a fluke? Can they beat the Cardinals? You're going to want to follow us on social media. Instagram at 49ers.access. Twitter, 49ers underscore access. You are not going to want to miss an update. Big injury news. George Kittle, is he going to play on Sunday? Who knows? But if he does, big news for the Niners. Again, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Happy Christmas season, I guess now? Should I play Mariah Carey on the way out? I guess we'll see. But again, like, share, subscribe, leave a review, guys. Happy Halloween. Happy Victory Monday. Happy Victory Week, I guess you could say. Great win on Sunday against the Bears. Feels good to have a win again. Let's hope we can get another one against the Cardinals at Levi Stadium and snap our 1-11, our 1-11 home loss streak. Man, it feels good to win again. I know you feel good. I feel good too. I went, a, I went over an hour today. That, that, that's, <laughs> I never go over an hour. But again, it feels good to get the win. I hope you guys had a great Halloween. I hope trick-or-treating was fun. I hope you had the best Halloween costumes. And I guess we're in the Christmas season now, which ah, I'm more of a Thanksgiving guy myself. But I cannot wait to discuss this Sunday's game against the Cardinals. Check out for that podcast later on in the week. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And until next time, stay faithful. Stay faithful.